Welcome to Drone Business Talk, the show where we discuss the business of unmanned aviation. Find out about the latest drone applications and trends as we talk to drone company CEOs, business owners, pilots, and thought leaders to reveal the status of the drone industry. Here is your host, Tom Verbruggen. Welcome to episode 19 of Drone Business Talk. We're back with our series on the pioneers of the drone industry, and today's guest is Henry Klemmer, CEO of Hepta Airborne in Estonia. Welcome, Henry. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great and pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Hi, you're so welcome. Um, Henry, could you maybe start um, by introducing yourself and Hepta Drone a little bit? Sure. Uh, so again, my name is Henry Glemmer. I said I'm the CEO. I'm the founder of Hepta Airborne. Uh, my personal background comes from energy sector. I'm a power engineer by education. And Hepta Airborne is, um, is inspecting power lines. Uh, the way we are doing it, what is our core value proposition is uh, we're deploying or helping utilities, our customers, the power line operators, to deploy drone programs in full scale, which means that uh, we take a deep dive in the data acquisition, how drones perform the legislative side, but also the data management. We have our own AI-driven software analysis platform. So we do all of it. We help utilities to deploy drone programs. And one of the uh, one of the things that I would bring out is that we have uh, slowly but steadily managed to get out of that piloting stage. We've found that cure our secret sauce that helps our customers to actually deploy drone program drone programs in full scale of their grid. All right, that, that's very impressive. Um, so so power line inspections that mean that. Um... Yeah, your your target audience is um, the the guys who who own the power line um, cables. Um, that in my mind, the first thing that I think is okay. Wow, that's a, that's a very small customer base. Um, is that does that make it easier or harder? The small customer base. Mm, I mean, always the, the human nature is that always the grease the the the, the grass is greener on the other side. So definitely, I'd say it's challenging to uh, to approach um, that uh, small number of customers because usually utilities are huge corporations. They're publicly held. There's tender procedures. They're they're regulated. They're physical asset driven. Uh, so they are slow by nature. Not it, it isn't a you know not blaming the customers, but it is the nature of those big uh, business and the, these comp big companies. So we have to expect that. We have to be aware of that. So and definitely that is something that uh, I think it plays a vital role here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I can see that when then when we are in at Ivernet dealing with governments, it's you you have to take what, at, at least a year or something in order for for a deal to close. Um, which is which is a lot different than than just regular B two B business where you could just go for like two months max. Definitely, and and one of the things that I would actually like to jump in here and and uh, uh, and have a like the upside factor as well brought out is that although they're big, uh, the sales cycle is long, and then the market size is actually I'd say big enough for many companies to excel. Uh, if you take proportionally, it's just a very small country, Estonia, which is Hepta home market, then uh, this country is that small that we have 300 kilometers from one side to another side, 300 kilometers. But we have 70,000 kilometers of power lines. So proportionally, the scale is the same in different markets. 
So once this single utility commits, trusts you, then you are in and you are in big time. As some of the utilities, we have 10 year agreements and some of, the utilities, and some of those utilities with whom we have 10 year agreements, they hold more power lines than, than as an example, an entire country of Finland. So I'd say they're also the upside of that market, but of course, sales cycles are long, decision-making is slow, a lot of resource poured into the sales, so upsides and downsides. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, when, when it comes down to, to these long sales cycles, whenever you close a deal, the, the, the lifetime expectancy of a customer is, is a lot higher than, than when you have a shorter, because otherwise it wouldn't be worth it, obviously. Exactly. Um, do you see that there's a lot of competitors coming up then in that market? Or are you quite um, unique or, um, yeah, or how, how is that? There is competition. Uh, and if, uh, if let's say one just has to Google drone companies, then of course there's so many who are actively engaged in different verticals, infrastructure, pipelines, power lines, and so forth. But all in all, if it comes down to who are the players who are actually facing the utility in advanced pipeline uh, and uh, let's say, mm, have the references to to scale projects big time and have what it means to to scale projects and actually deploy drone programs and deliver all the terabytes of data analysis then we usually face uh, two three companies max um, when we are let's say chasing down some of our favorite customers yeah and um how how is the it's it's a, it's a bit more of a broader question but how is the drone market in estonia um, how is it um, on base of, 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 of legislation and how, the, how is it on base of um, the people's perception? Mm -hmm. uh, overall, I'd say uh, Estonia is, is, is one of the, not one of the, I can, I can brag as an Estonian that we are the startup capital of, of, of Europe. Uh, we have the most number of unicorns per capita and we are very techy people. Most of the Estonians have a startup or, or a scale up or tech business. So, and that also expands to how Estonians perceive uh, new technologies. We are very forward looking. Uh, the legislative uh, framework changes fast in order for the technology or be up to speed with the technology. So I'd say in Estonia, uh, drones are you know, part of the, part of the, the society. Of course, uh, there is a huge potential to still further for the for further deployment, but I haven't seen big debates around like, are the drones any threat? Uh, people more or less weigh in that the, the potential is so much bigger. So we are in a good place, but all in all, the drone market itself, Estonia, if you can say, if you can, uh, let's say, uh, talk about Estonia as a market, then it's very small. So, and that of course uh, re reflects back to the, uh, to the drone companies as well. We have very few drone com companies, small ones. Uh, we are not competing. We're not even complementary to each other. We all mind our own businesses. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, Estonia is, is a very small country in terms of population, right? There's only like yes, one or two million have, people, right? Yes, we have 1.3 million people. And, uh, you know, although the country is small as well, we're very sparsely populated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you compare it to Belgium, which is even a little bit smaller in square kilometers, yes. we're 11 million people. So it's exactly. it's, a, it's a very big difference. Um, when did you, when did you start with Heptadrone? Uh, it was back in 2017, actually it was the beginning of 2018. In the 2017, we were already, 
confident enough that this is the way to move forward. So we started to uh, make thorough preparations. 2018, we were officially live, uh, pitching for utilities, finding for customers. But uh, the founding story, of course, uh, the way we uh, reached or, or, or led to the, the way my story, as an example, led to Hepta Airborne, this dates back to around 2014 even. All right. Okay. And what, what triggered the interest in drones? Mm -hmm. mm, I'd actually say that um, uh, my personal background comes from energy sector. And um, I've been uh, testing uh, different uh, solutions and how to optimize grid maintenance. And then along the way, uh, we found drones. So this was like an organic buildup on how to solve a problem for the customer. It didn't grow from uh, us being uh, drone enthusiasts. But then, of course, of course, we fell in love with drones as well because we saw the potential of the drones, the technology itself. Of course, it's it's so interesting and exciting. Uh, but it was part of this, you know, what should we do to solve the customer problem? So we, it gradually started to build up. I think the first... Uh, the time when we tested drones was uh, we did helicopter inspections for a few years and 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 then uh, uh, before Hepta Airborne and then in around 2014 uh, we knew that helicopter inspections are expensive difficult to scale and complex we started testing robotics uh, like line robotics things that crawl on the power line satellites drones so after testing this for a few years this testing evolved into Hepta Airborne and being actually mm, focusing around or, or, or focusing our value proposition around drones and data management. All right, that, that brings me, me fluently to one of the questions that I that I actually prepared. That would that is um, a lot of companies either focus on one very specific thing, like power line inspections, and they they master that part. On other on the other side, we see that um, a lot of companies probably there's probably this group is a lot bigger than the other group, but a lot of companies, they try to focus on everything. They do videography and then um, inspections, but also uh, mapping security. They try to do as much as possible because they don't really know um, which market is their market yet. Um, there's obviously ups and downs um, to each side, but what is, what is your opinion on that? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I definitely don't have uh, like the, uh, the the one size fits all right answer for everyone. So, but but from my experience, uh, I'd say uh, from Hepta Airborne's um, perspective, uh, the coin has two sides. One is the why of Hepta Airborne. Why are we doing what we are doing? And this is specifically for we have the midterm uh, why, which is to take on ground inspection. Uh, or field guys out of the hazardous working environments, help them to inspect more because today the men are literally running from bears in the forests. And then the long-term why is, uh, is, uh, is, is the green wave movement, the net zero emissions, because everything gets electrified. The, the energy system and the electricity grids will be the foundation of everything, which means the grid can never disconnect. And in order to withstand this increase in electrification, which is about to triple in a few years, in the few decades, uh, greed needs significant innovation to be deployed more and more extensively. So these are the, like the why sides of the coin. Like, this is why we are doing what we're doing. So we are actually trying to solve the puzzle in the energy sector and for power lines. We're helping the power lines. But then another puzzle uh, or, or another coin of this, uh, another side of this coin is um, is of course just uh, uh, being aligned on focuses. And here I, I always have had 
a very strict approach that, uh, of course, we've also a bit experimented uh, a few years uh, back in, in in different industry verticals, telcos, railways, but these have been very small experiments. All in all, I think that in, in order to, um, uh, let's say, scale or efficiently grow a company in, in, in an enterprise world, uh, where you have professional usage and industrial scale solutions, uh, the founders or the founding team or the executive team should have a strong um, uh, background in that sector. And uh, now if you think about having a small team and you allocate or you thrift that focus and you allocate or divide it between like agriculture, railways, uh, power lines, all that different things, then this creates so much confusion from you know, like internally, uh, how to create the product to make it work in different uh, parts of the, the sectors, uh, how to align the team's focus, how to make sales and business development work, how to price uh, the things, and eventually uh, how to make the best pitch, the best value proposition for the customer. And in those enterprise segments, you actually have to be customer-oriented, customer-focused. And if you allocate that focus, uh, distribute it or let's say divide it in between different very big focus fields, like the, the, the sectors and categories that I mentioned, agriculture and so forth, uh, then this doesn't come in, in as appealing for the customer as well. So it, you can't stand out. And, and perhaps just the final conclusion of that as well, or an expansion of that thought is all of those sectors uh, today are still in the early stage. Drones haven't been deployed in full scale. So customers need educating. If you are just a single product meant to use in all of those use cases, then actually uh, those, use, those, those, those products will not scale because the drone programs themselves haven't been deployed in full scale. So you can't sell an independent drone or, or, or independent software to someone because they still need educating how to deploy entire drone program. So you need to know the customer, you need to help and educate them. And if you have 20, 30 people in a team or even less, uh, you have to have a strict focus. So to conclude, uh, what, I, what is best from my angle or my point of view, you put your eggs into that one basket where you think and believe and, and, uh, and have high conviction that you will scale. If at some time after one, two years of you know, market penetration, you come to a conclusion that this doesn't work, then you pivot. But you can't do like a half-baked uh, um, uh, approach that you try to approach seven different verticals at once. So that has been like my very strict uh, opinionated uh, angle to the, to the overall like focus discussion and how we should approach different verticals. Yeah, I, I think that that is pretty good advice. Um, it, to, to put it in, in other words, in, in, for example, in marketing terms, it's, it's not always ideal either. Um, because, for example, if you need a very specific thing like a smartphone, you don't go buy that in a supermarket. You buy that at a place that is specialized in electronics. Exactly. Um, and it works the same way with a lot of, with, with, with all of business. Um, mm -hmm. The consumer rarely goes um, for the convenience when it comes to um, high technology. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of high technology, that is something, um, it's a bit unrelated to drones, but that was wondering. Um, the, the, the power grid industry or market is that, in, an innovative market or not because in my mind power lines have always been the same for like the last 30 40 years is that a place that has a lot of internal innovation or is that a place that is really 
like coming to a point where they're no longer going to be able to hold it anymore and are going to have to come up with a big innovation i mean in to to be able to scale mm -hmm. so overall <clears throat> energy sector evolves around the grid and energy there, there has been so much innovation in energy sector as a whole that's you know that 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 also reflects back to what we're seeing every day in politics and, and the economy now the energy is the most sexy topic uh, of all times uh and uh so in, and now it's popular suddenly to be to be a ceo of a utility uh but of course power lines themselves the physical infrastructure which we see uh, when we're driving across the the countryside uh have they power lines are usually built to withstand like different ambient and environments for 50 plus years in in even in wealthy countries power lines uh, we have power lines that are older than 100 years so yes there is this conventional side as well however everything that evolves around power lines and also the the way we measure power flow and the digital twins of the power flow and the different sensors that are installed into the grid the substations uh they have been uh part of a huge innovation so we definitely have a smart grid era which has been proliferating throughout the the past like even decades but i definitely also um, say that and that is one of the most worrying parts from my opinion uh, in in reaching net zero emissions as well is that grids those power lines that are built to withstand ambient environment for hundreds of years or 50 plus years mm -hmm. Uh, the grids need significantly more innovation uh, because, yeah. again, the, there will be a lot of renewables, distributed energy resources, the grid will get complex, there will be more grid, and then from the consumer angle, everything gets electrified. And now you have this conventional grid out there, then it will actually not be able, this is the foundation, and it will not be able to, to help us reaching those net zero emissions. So I'd say it's, it's like a mixed uh, balance. The energy system itself has uh, has has been uh, able to gain access to a lot of innovation, but the grid itself definitely needs more. Okay, yeah, thanks. That that was uh, something that I've that I didn't know anything about. Um, when when it comes down to power line inspections, um, I'm guessing that it's usually um, longer flight times. Um, so what kind of drones do you do you fly at Hepta Airborne? Uh, so we initially actually the, the, the interesting concept of Hepta was that uh, one of the first two co-founders we had three co-founders uh, me and and, and uh, two additional guys and those uh, two guys were drone enthusiasts and, in, and initially uh, we also built our own proprietary drone uh, but eventually that led to you know that's the, as the entire why of Hepta is to solve the solution for power lines then we became hardware agnostic we want to use satellites drones everything uh, even simulate different things behind the work desk so uh, I'd say the uh, the drones um, are definitely um, interesting part but you can use or inspect power lines in different methods and and but to get back to your question on where or, or what kind of drones are we using uh mostly we're using dji's multi-rotors simple ones even hobby drones of course some industrial scale drones we've been also using uh, mm, uh, helicopter type of drones that have the long range but i'd say one of the most commonly used drone for us is a simple tool simple dji mm, that uh, we use as an arm lengthener for the on-ground team so from our perspective one of the not that like the concerns in the energy sector is that 
since the drones came, then they like ramped up the, ex the expectations. And everyone now thought that, okay, this is now the drone comes in, flies 50 kilometers, everything is fully automated, fully pre-programmed. And, and, and so, and, and all different kinds of sensors in analyzed degree. In reality, I'd say that this is the goal where we are trying to uh, reach, but we are in this first or second step. We need to deploy the drones somehow to, to become, let's say, not a replacement of human beings, but as a support for the human beings. And so from that concept, this is what, how we also help the utilities to deploy drone programs. We start from easy to use, low cost hobby drones. These are already doing the trick, helping you to proliferate or let's say speed up the, the, the grid analysis and then uh, lead to next steps as you know, industrial, uh, industrial scale drones and so forth. All right, yeah. It's it's not what I expected because what I expected was that we were going to say fixed wing drones, um, mm -hmm. because they obviously have have that longer range. Um, but I didn't know that that the helicopter drones were also um, that popular. Mm -hmm. um, I think that just yeah, just cool. one one like a, from the technical angle, one comment to this is that fixed wings are good. However, um, as power lines are. Uh, they're linear infrastructure with you know, high angles and so forth. And sometimes you need to hover uh, uh, around the power lines. You need to you need to cut the corners very fast and and then and, uh, and do different tricks uh, in order to collect the data. Then uh, fixed wings make this data collection part a bit more complex. And thus, multi-rotors, helicopter type of drones have been the best the best thing to use for us. Okay, and. Um... Yeah, then then I'm very curious to 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 get to know more about um, how you're planning to use automation um, and how you're planning on incorporating um, BVLOS flights into uh, your operation. Sure, uh, I mean automation is something which is just gradually growing. Uh, as for the drone ops, uh, but also especially for the data management, and we are at this stage focusing as for the let's say operational side the field uh, inspections, collecting the data, uh, we are mostly relying on off-the-shelf solutions, combination of different things. And of course, the main key, key here is uh, operational excellence. Uh, but where we are specifically focusing on, on, on uh, accelerating the automation journey is data management. So this is where we have a team of data scientists, software team, a big team of analysis, uh, analysts, uh, and uh, and we, we try to uh, help the human beings to analyze more and more data in an efficient way. And uh, the best part of the, or let's say the biggest part of uh, uh, the automation is deploying machine learning on, uh, on drone captured data. So helping the machine training, uh, grading mo machine learning models, constantly training them, and then uh, help using those machine learning models to, to help the human beings analyze it, as an example, defects or power line defects from the images. Yeah, yeah, and that is obviously something that is going to grow and, and get better um, over time and, and the more um, operations you do. Um, how is it um, legislation-wise to get approval to go do specific flights? What, what are like the typical steps that you have to go through in Estonia? Uh, fortunately, Europe has now um, uh, enforced a new law uh, since last year, 
different member states of EU or different countries um, have had like different time when they have managed to uh, get on par and up to speed with the law and also implement it in, in, in their uh, governmental organizations with process permits. But all in all, I'd say that um, in Europe, it gets more unified. It's, it gets more common, like you can use the same principles in different countries to fly in different countries. Uh, and uh, as we've been part of you know, doing beyond visual line of sight uh, mission, uh, missions and also conducting drone missions for several years, and we've been also part of the like the European-based work groups who test and try out what kind of things should be implemented into the new laws, then we've been always up to the speed or even um, running uh, in front of the, the, the actual process. Uh, so all of the procedures, all of the risk assessments, everything, the documentation, documentation side, um, the, the certificates for the drones and the and vehicles, uh, we have everything prepared, which makes it just so much easier. So I would conclude that uh, the, the the main message from me always from and experience from from getting beyond visual line of sight permits is that it's never impossible. It's just the, the amount of work you you have to put in to uh, to mitigate all the risks in front of the civil aviation authority, and sometimes for some member states uh, they need more thorough approach, sometimes less. But always we have been able to navigate and to find the way how to get the, the beyond visual line of sight permits and how to start doing the drone missions. Okay, that's really nice um, because I know from from. Um, friends here in Belgium that it's like you said definitely not easy and and very bureaucratic and yeah it's it's just in general a lot of work to to get it done oh yeah oh yeah but it gets easier that's that's from my point of view at least uh let's hope definitely um what is what is one of the biggest challenges that that you face right now um in the drone industry mm. Well, I think that's you know if if there are any competitors also uh, uh, listening to the this 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 podcast, then they can also uh, definitely relate to the pain. But overall, I'd say as something that I mentioned earlier as well that uh, uh, the drones are still in their early stage of deployment in industrial scale for different professional uh, uh, verticals and and use cases, and thus. Uh, Many of the customers, not only for power lines, they're still in the in the course of experimenting. They need further education, so and they're piloting. So and that is what I see if, uh, if I observe different verticals who are trying and different companies who are trying to deploy drones. It's converting from pilot to a follow-on deal, and then this follow-on project because you know they were doing a pilot uh, in order to actually get a long-term relationship with the customer to actually start doing the business. So first is conversion. And second, so having the customer ready to convert, and and second is uh, is is actually scaling when you have uh, converted. So this is a challenge for all of us. Uh, as said, we have found the secret source sources. We already have a number of customers with whom we managed to convert and also scale. But I still see this is the like the not the growing pain. It's it's actually a bit of decreasing pain because we see that this 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 market is getting more and more educated year over year. But we just have to be patient. We have to play the long game. So eventually, in 2025, hopefully, it will be way easier and faster. Yeah, um, I think um, everybody that has been in the drone business for more than a year knows the pain of um, 
trying to convince stakeholders of the value of drones and that it's not just toys and that you can actually get a lot of value out of it. Um, I think everyone um, has felt that pain before. Um, and that's a very interesting subject um, that you talk about, 2025. Um, where do you see the drone industry evolving to? Um, a lot of people um, have anticipated it in the past where it didn't come true. And there's still a lot of anticipation. A lot of people are waiting for the big drone boom. Um, is that something that you see happening or do you more think that it's gonna just be a gradual um, line that's gonna uh, grow? Um, I think that drones have managed to um, succeed in full rollout for, from the consumer angle, uh, but then hobbyists and so forth. So all of us who can buy, let's say a thousand euro DJI Mavic. Um, however, for industrial scale, we are still in our baby feet, making first steps, learning, learning to walk. And uh, I think this is where it, it, it definitely doesn't sound as sexy as probably, you know, the listeners of the podcast would also um, expect me to, 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 uh, to present some kind of a sci-fi um, situation that takes place in five years time. But in reality, uh, I think that in five years or, or, or in three years, or let's say the future of the drone industry uh, is, as you said, gradually deploying drone programs. And so let's say in five years, um, the drones uh, will be just deployed in most of the you know, verticals, sectors in the industry, uh, and also in industrial uh, scale. So they will become commonly used. And that is, that is, that is not just behind the technology. This is a, a very complex situation because this needs like a transitional uh, growth and movement uh, and, and change from different uh, uh, like angles of this of this whole puzzle. As, as you know, it's the legislative framework. It's uh, you know, the customers need to get educated. Of course, the technology itself need to improve, but also that the, the parties who use drones have to get more experience. The operational ex excellence has to jump in. So it's a combination of very many things. And this, this can be like a concrete line. This will just gradually grow. And in four, five, six years time, we will see that drones, the next, let's say, big thing in the industry is that drones will be deployed uh, in most of the industrial or professional use cases. Yeah, um, I think, I think um, that's, a, that's a very solid um, look at the future. Um, and it's definitely true, right? Um, there's so many parties that have to, to work together. Um, once that everybody sort of harmonizes, um, we, we could, we could be in for, for, for some great, for some great developments, um, that, that would move faster than they do right now. I think, exactly. yes. um, um, we're, we're at one of the, one of the last questions already, Henry, um, and that's uh, it's a question that I ask everyone. Um, what do you like to do outside of the drone world when you're not running the company and um, and and doing all that stuff? So outside of the drone industry mm -hmm. uh, and the power line industry. Nothing. Drone uh, drones are all my life. No, no, I'm just <laughs> joking. <laughs> uh, so actually, uh, so uh, okay, you also asked power in the industry. So that that was actually the, the first thing that came into my mind that. Um, uh, I am power engineer by, by, by education, worked in the energy sector for years, 
I have my personal like a consultancy company. I'm a passive owner, but this company is delivering uh, very interesting big infrastructure projects in 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 the Baltics, and and including like solar and wind uh, farm developments and so forth. And uh, when I'm trying to uh, find something else to do, then I have this as a side hobby. I'm just looking at the, at the, at this personal company of mine, looking at what are the guys uh working on what kind of cool infrastructure projects they have been uh, managed to deliver lately and so forth so this is this is something like a side hobby but just from the very very personal perspective i mean it's just reading books running uh, uh going hitting the gym <laughs> uh, playing basketball now during COVID times this has been of course a challenge but hey in estonia uh, this year has been a very good winter i love cross-country skiing I also love the Alps and uh, I will be uh, skiing in France and snowboarding in France in about a month as well. So different activities, just a normal boy. <laughs> <laughs> a normal boy. Yeah, yes. um, I'm, I'm sure we, we we can discuss on that. Um, if your hobby is um, to watch what your passive uh, company is, is doing, that that's quite a, I don't think everybody has that hobby. Um, <laughs> but Henry, um, is there anything that you want to promote, um, that you want to make some promotion for that you want to mention? Mm, well, probably I would just like call out, you know, all the, uh, all the local you know, different drone service providers who are trying to scale approach out, we can help you out, uh, because we can't do all the data collection inspection ourselves, but most specifically, um, uh, utilities. Don't be hesitant uh, to to try out drone programs because again we have the reference. Uh, we're not a small startup in a sense that we actually have long term commitments. We've managed to scale a lot of drone programs. We have so many interesting lessons, learned, references, and insights that we can share to actually uh, proliferate the, the the way or the, the optimization of the grid maintenance. So and and the best part about it there's no significant upfront costs or actually no upfront costs whatsoever. We can just start working on it, uh, faster speeds, uh, better pricing, high quality. Uh, it's, it's also part of the very green way how to uh, digitize or create. So a lot of advantages, just try out, come and approach us. <laughs> All right. So the best of the best at Hepta Airborne um, from Henry. Um, Thank you so much, man, um, for joining me. It was, a, it was a pleasure meeting you. It was very interesting. Um, and I'll maybe see you around another time. Likewise. Thank you again so much for having me.